We're so glad that you've joined us today on the Relevant Church Podcast. There's so much God wants to do in and through you as you listen to this message. If you want to learn more about Relevant Church, visit us online at thisisrelevant.cc. I'm holding in my hand what looks to be an iPhone 12 Pro Max. I have to let y'all know that it's the Pro Max, the latest edition. And it looks like a a regular iPhone, but what I want to let you know is that this thing right here is a WMD. A WMD. It is a weapon of mass distraction. A weapon of mass distraction. I was just at a restaurant just the other day in Newport Beach. And uh, the the waitress came over. Actually, it was the manager. The manager came over. Nice lady. And and we get to talking. I ask her how her day's going. And she says, my day's going amazing. It's going going good. And I'm like, well, it it has to be good because you woke up this morning. God gave you another chance at life. And she paused and said, you know what? Yesterday, I totaled my car. And I'm like, wow, praise God. Here you are at work right after you totaled your car. And she said, and then she lifted up her, 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 um, uh, her sleeve and showed me a bandage. She says, all I had was this one scratch. And so I was like, wow, this is incredible that you survived. And so I said, well, do you mind me asking what happened? How, how did this accident take place? She said, oh, I was texting. I was texting and I ran a red light. Now, before you judge, before you judge, I need you to say something with me. I've done it too. You and I have both been driving and texting at some point. At some point. Maybe you lifted up your phone to just check something. And I know there's some of you who are like, you know, goody two-shoes. You never text and drive. But the thing is, is that all of us get distracted by the, this, this device that's supposed to make our life better. I was at another restaurant, um, uh, my favorite restaurant in Riverside, as a matter of fact, and my favorite waitress came over and I asked her how she was doing. She said, well, actually, Pastor John, I had a panic attack this week. I'm like, really? What happened? What's causing you so much anxiety that you have a panic attack? What's going on? Tell me what's going on. And she said, well, it's just been a lot during this pandemic because my husband has been out of work and I've been the sole breadwinner and I come home from work after being here all day and nothing is done in the house. The kids are not bathed. They're not fed. And I have to go back to work when I get home. And, and I'm like, well, does your husband help out? She says, well, when I get home, all he does is hold his phone and scroll. All he's doing is scrolling. Now, here's the thing about it. He's checked out of reality, but completely checked in to the fantasy of someone else's lie on Instagram. And before you judge, I want you to say it with me. I've done it too. I've used this little device, this weapon of mass distraction to distract me from what's important in my life and to escape into this never-ending algorithm of distractions. We've all done it. We're living in the busiest, most chaotic, noisiest, and most distracted age in history. Everything is literally designed to capture our attention, to get our click, to get our eyeballs, to suck our life into that algorithm, into the matrix of whatever it is that's happening everywhere else instead of us being centered and present to our family, to those that love, and to be present to our God. 
We have all kinds of things that are pulling at us. We have dance class, soccer practice. We have dry cleaning to pick up. We have school at home. We have Zoom meetings. We have in-person meetings. We have to run all, all over this place. We're busy with our kids. We're busy with our spouse. We're busy with our friends. We're busy with work. We're, we're busy with our work friends. We're busy with social media. We're busy, busy with church. And here's the thing about it. Jesus didn't come that he, he may give you church. He came that you may have life and life to the full. And you get to this point where your bandwidth is completely maxed out. You're so distracted. And you start saying to yourself, if I take one more thing on, I will snap. If, I, if, if one more thing comes into my life, I will lose it all. I will completely snap. And here's what I want to tell you about distraction. Distraction is literally the shifting of something of greater importance to something of lesser importance. The shifting of something of greater importance into something that is of lesser importance. And we do it over and over again. I think the, num the number one dis uh, uh, addiction that we may have as a people is addiction to being distracted. And the thing is this, if you're writing down notes in your message guide there, um, uh, the first thing I want to tell you is this, is that distraction isn't just a problem that some people have. It's become a way of life for most of us. It's become a way of life for most of us. Our culture is distracted and random at best. And the danger is that it doesn't take too long for distraction to turn into destruction. It doesn't take too long for distraction to turn into destruction. My, 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 uh, the, the waitress at the restaurant in Newport Beach, she was distracted for a moment and she destroyed her car, destroyed two other people's cars and almost destroyed her own life. Distraction can lead to destruction. It, it, it may seem like a simple scrolling, you just literally escaping and checking out because life is too hectic around you, but you can check out so much that that distraction destroys your marriage, destroys your family, destroys your health. I want to read from, from Genesis chapter 3 because this is where we see the first, the first um, uh, passage, the first uh, incident of major distraction that took place. And it's in Genesis chapter, chapter 3. It says this, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. You must not eat from the fruit that is in the, from the tree that's in the middle of the garden. Pay attention to that. You must not touch it or you will die. You'll certainly die the serp you'll, you'll certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it, ate it. She gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Here's the thing about it. Distraction is a shifting of something of greater importance to something of lesser importance. And our fundamental uh, uh, and most dangerous problem in distraction is that um, we become distracted from God. We become distracted from what God has given to us and provided to us freely and abundantly. 
And anything that distracts us from God becomes an object of idolatry. It becomes an idol for us. I want you to, to, to picture this. You're in the Garden of Eden. You're Adam and Eve. You're the only two humans alive. And, and I, I did some research on this. Today, currently, right now, there are over 2,000 types of trees that bear fruit that are edible for humans. 2,000. I don't know what it was like in the Garden of Eden. I, I'd say it was probably 10x that amount or 100x that amount that God had given to humanity to enjoy freely, abundantly. I want you to imagine you're in the Garden of Eden and, and, and you're passing by mango trees, papaya trees, pineapple trees, orange trees, apple trees, uh, uh, banana trees, all kinds of trees, over 2,000 currently known today and maybe 20,000, 200,000 at that time in the Garden of Eden. And you're passing all this abundance of what God has given you and the enemy distracts you with something so small. One tree in the middle of the garden. One tree that, that distracted Adam and Eve from the abundance and the provision and the care that God had given them. They were distracted by a perception of what they didn't have. Whoo! That gives me chills just to think about that. Most of the time when we're on our social media, whenever we're on, on, on Facebook, uh, Instagram, TikTok, we get distracted not because of, of, of what we are content with. We get distracted by it because of what we wish we, we, we could have or what we believe that we don't have. Most marketing in this world works on, 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 on your fears and your areas of insecurity. Adam and Eve were distracted not by God's abundance, but by their perception of lack. And this is what's happening to us today. While you're sitting in your comfortable home, eating a home-cooked meal, you look at someone posting a beautiful, well-set dish in some random restaurant, and you start thinking to yourself, what you have right in front of you is not good enough. And what it does is that it distracts you from worshiping a God that's provided so generously and puts you into a perception of what you lack and what you need to cover up with. So how do we conquer distractions? I want us to look at a story of Jesus encountering two sisters. In Luke chapter 10, it says this, 10 verse 38 says, and Jesus and his disciples were on their way he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened up her home to him. She opened up her home to him. So I want you to write that down. The first thing that we do in order to conquer distraction is that we invite Jesus in. We invite him into our space, invite him into our, into our intimate space. And Martha does just that. She does a wonderful thing. She does a beautiful thing. How many of us have opened up our life and our heart and our homes to the Lord and we leave it at just that? We leave it at just that. We invite him in and leave it at just that. And I want to say this. Effort isn't enough. Good intentions don't get the job done. Watch what the, how the story continues. It says in verse 39, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came 
she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Here's what happens to us. We, we, we invite Jesus in and he comes into our life, but he becomes crowded by the priorities of our life and our agenda. And Jesus doesn't want to come in and be put on the shelf to be in display of, of your guests saying that I have Jesus in my house, but I'm busy with everything else in my house. I'm busy with my life as it goes on. He wants to be center. Priorities shift. He does, Jesus does not want you to bring him into your life and then make him number one. He wants to be the center of it all because the thing about it is this is that priorities shift depending on what's happening in your life. You can take a number one priority and make it a number five priority depending on what's stressing you out at that moment. But when Jesus is center, everything comes from a Jesus-centered perspective of who he is in your life. Martha was distracted by all the preparations. I, I want you to pick up on what she says. She says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha goes into blame, shame, and fault. Martha was distracted from Jesus because she was busy serving the guests. Why? Because she was anxious. Why was she anxious? She was anxious to feed everyone. Why would she be anxious to feed everyone when she's got Jesus there? Because here's the thing about it. She's busy uh, worried about the perception of how the people in the house and in the community will look at her uh, based on her performance on how she honored and, and catered and, and made sure that everything was worked out. What if the dinner didn't go well? The thing is this, that it was all about Martha. It was all about her. It was all about her performance. It was all about her works. It was all about her doing. So in order for us to get out of that same Martha type complex, here's what we do. We have to learn how to relax. We have to learn how to relax. In Exodus chapter 20, um, uh, God gives us a principle that is a rhythm of life that takes us out of doing and puts us back into being. And that is called Sabbath. He says this, he says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days shall you labor. Six days shall you do, do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or your daughter nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in, in, in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Be still and know that I am God, he says in Psalms. Be still and know that I am God. He says, be still, be still. Take a moment, relax. Be still, know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted on the earth. The psalmist beautifully puts it. Learn to relax. Sabbath takes you into the state of being. To do, to stop doing in order to be validated and go back to being found in him. And here's the beautiful thing about it. You don't have to wait six days for the seventh day to appear. You can have Sabbath right now. Every day, take a moment to say, no, I'm going to take a Sabbath minute to be with my God. 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dedicate this hour to be a Sabbath hour, to be still and know that he's God. Sometimes it's a Sabbath season of recentering yourself. Another thing that you must do to conquer distraction is learn to listen to the one that matters. Learn to listen to the one that matters. Watch what the verse says in, in, in Luke 10, verse 41 and 42. It says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen. I'll repeat that. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. See, the thing is just that Martha didn't recognize her distraction until Jesus helped her see her heart. She thought she was doing the right thing. She thought that being in performance mode and, and work mode was the right thing to do. But the right thing was shifting her attention from a greater thing, the greater one, to serve lesser things. And so she came in blaming, shaming, and faulting her sister. And Jesus points her back and says, it's not an issue of blame and who's doing what. It's an issue of the choice you made. What did you choose, Martha? Because Mary chose me. What are you choosing in your life? As a matter of fact, if you were to look at all the things that you blame, shame, and fault um, uh, other people for and other circumstances for, I wonder what it would look like if you looked at those things and said, I chose something lesser instead of choosing the greater thing. I wonder what your life would look like. I wonder what my life would look like if, if that was how I ordered myself on a consistent basis. She chose the better thing. And so distraction is nothing more than taking your power to choose and choosing the better thing. And when you choose better, you hear God whisper. When you choose better, you're found in him. And, 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 and when you turn your eyes upon Jesus, the things of this earth grow strangely dim, the hymnal writer wrote. And you get to learn his purpose and his will and his vision for your life. There's a story of Elijah who had gotten in, caught up in performance mode and when the performance wasn't working out the way that he wanted, he, he retreated to a cave and in 1 Kings chapter 19, uh, uh, there's this encounter of him while he's in, in hiding. And it says, it says, and he said, go forth and stand upon the mount of the Lord and behold the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break uh, in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind and after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake and after the earthquake a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire and after the fire a still small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, what doest thou here, Elijah? He was able to hear God speak again and give him a vision for the rest of his ministry. So I'll leave you with this. 
when we live undistracted lives, we take on new meaning and new purpose. When we live undistracted lives, we take on new meaning and new purpose. And it starts with us choosing the better thing, choosing Jesus to be at the center. Today, I want you to make a choice. Invite him in, but don't invite him in just to be a collectible on the shelf. Invite him in to be the center of your life. Invite him in that you may seat at his feet and learn from him. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. The yoke and the burden of performance and us just trying to please everybody and, and measure up is heavy. But when you sit at Jesus' feet and have him center in your life, his yoke is easy. His burden is light. And in that moment, he'll give you the vision, the purpose for your life. And you'll find yourself in alignment with his will. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you so much for this amazing opportunity to speak into the lives of all who are viewing this, who are hearing this, my voice. Lord, I pray that they hear the voice of your spirit speaking into their soul. May they take this opportunity to make a choice for the better, to choose you over everything else. We love you, God. In Jesus' name. Thank you again for joining us on the Relevant Church Podcast. If this message has been impactful to you, let us know by sending an email to hello at thisisrelevant.cc. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing at giving.thisisrelevant.cc. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast for more messages like this one.